the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you ever feel inadequate for what God has called you to, you are. (laughs) You know, you are inadequate. And if God can use a fig picker, he can use you. And so I want you to remember, if you remember one thing about Amos, remember he was a fig picker. And anytime you doubt, just tell yourself, well, God can use a fig picker. And he can use me. When you throw someone from the backwoods and insert them into an urban, thriving, fast-moving setting like New York City, that person would feel like a fish out of water. Have you ever been in a similar situation where you feel so out of place? In today's teaching, Pastor Dan will help you understand what this was like for a prophet named Amos, called out of his comfort zone to the other kingdom. He had an unpleasant message to give, which made it even more difficult, but he followed God anyway. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Amos chapter 1 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. going to begin a new book. We're going to begin the book of Amos. Uh, It's right after Joel, the very next page in your Bible. So if you want to turn to the book of Amos for me, Uh, we're also going to look at some verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you want to go ahead and find that, Deuteronomy 6, go ahead and mark that in your Bible so we can turn to it quickly when the time comes. We've made our way to Amos. We're almost finished with the Old Testament. You realize that We're, we're, we're in the home stretch of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6, Amos chapter 1. And let me pray for us before we get into the word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, just the journey that we've been on going through your word. Thank you for the privilege of beginning a new book to study. We pray and ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word. We pray and ask, Lord, that your spirit would be upon me to teach your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the book of Amos begins by introducing the prophet Amos to us, telling us some biographical information about the prophet, uh, the time in which he wrote this prophecy, and to whom he wrote this prophecy. Verse 1 says, The words of Amos who was among the sheep breeders of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. It was two years before the earthquake. So the name Amos, it means to carry a burden. 
to carry a burden. And Amos certainly carried the burden of this message to the kingdom of Israel. Amos was a prophet during the time of the divided kingdom. That's why you have the reference here to the king of Judah and the king of Israel. After the death of Solomon, the nation of Israel fell into civil war and was divided into two separate kingdoms. It split. You had the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. So Amos lives and ministers during a time of national division. There's great disunity in the nation, great division in the nation. There was ongoing hostility between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, The two kingdoms engaged in war with each other periodically, off and on. And that's important to note because Amos was from the southern kingdom of Judah, from a village called Tekoa, as we're told here in verse 1. And God called Amos to go to the northern kingdom. He's from the southern kingdom. It's a time of division. And God calls Amos to go to the northern kingdom to preach a message of judgment. Not an easy calling. Not an easy calling to go to the other kingdom and tell them that God will judge them if they do not repent. Amos is the only one of the minor prophets who crossed the border and left his own kingdom to minister in the other kingdom. And please note here in verse 1 that he's from the town of Tekoa. Tekoa was a tiny village about 10 miles south of Jerusalem near the town of Bethlehem. Tekoa sat on the edge of the Judean wilderness as you go down toward the Dead Sea. Uh, If you've gone with us on our Israel trips or you've been to Israel, if you've ever been to the Herodium, uh, when we go to the Herodium, I usually will point out the town of Tekoa to our group. uh, And it goes right over their head. They don't even know what I'm talking about with Tekoa. Amos was from this little tiny village. This little tiny village that's out in the middle of of nowhere. Today we would say Amos is from the sticks. Or that he's from, you know, the backwoods. And we would say that Amos was a hick. If you look at verse 1, his occupation was he's a sheep breeder. Over in chapter 7, verse 14. Chapter 7, verse 14. Amos says... I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Now, sycamore fruit is figs. Amos was a fig picker from the southern kingdom, this little town you've never heard of, way down in the south, out in the middle of nowhere. And he made a living as a sheep breeder and a fig picker. And God called Amos, listen, he called Amos to the northern kingdom, to the city of Bethel. And the city of Bethel was a wealthy, large, populated, sophisticated city. It was a center of idolatry. So this this would be like God calling some country boy from rural Alabama to New York City to preach or to Las Vegas to preach. And for Amos, his only qualification, 
was that God called him. That's the only qualification you need, by the way. If God has called a person, that's all the credentials that person needs. It doesn't really matter what their background may be or where they're from or what their education level may be or their training or how unpolished they may be or if they talk with a funny accent or if their grammar ain't so good. So often today, all the emphasis is put on the presentation, right? It's got to be polished. It's got to be professional. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be dynamic. It's got to be exciting. You know, the preacher has to dress a certain way and be charismatic and able to hold an audience in his hand. It's all got to be choreographed down to the, down to the second. You got to have a social media presence. But God likes to use people like Amos, a fig picker from Tekoa, a hick from nowhere. I, I, think of, uh, I think of David, a shepherd from Bethlehem, not far from Tekoa. He, w- he was overlooked by his own family. His own father, Dave, his own father uh, didn't even invite him to the ceremony. Remember Uh, Samuel the prophet comes down to anoint a new king in Bethlehem and David's own father tells David, you stay out in the field with the sheep. His own father saw no potential and, and David, but David was God's choice. David was God's man, a shepherd from Bethlehem. Or I think of many of the disciples, most were fishermen from Galilee. Throughout the scriptures, God does extraordinary things through very ordinary people. Common people. People who are inadequate in so many ways. And that's good news for us, right? Because we're inadequate in so many ways. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul writes, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh... Not many mighty and not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are so that no flesh should glory in his presence. God likes to choose the weak. He likes to choose the base, the despised, the nothings, the nobodies, so that no flesh can glory in his sight, so that God gets all the glory, so that nobody says, well, of course he chose him, or of course he chose her. If you ever feel inadequate for what God has called you to, you are, (laughs) you know, you are inadequate. And if God can use a fig picker, he can use you. And so I want you to remember, if you remember one thing about Amos, remember he was a fig picker. And anytime you doubt, just tell yourself, well, God can use a fig picker. And he can use me. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first... Here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? 
I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. God called Amos to preach in the northern kingdom, as I said, at a time when the northern kingdom was prospering economically. Things were going really well economically for the northern kingdom. And this, of course, made it harder for Amos because he's showing up in the northern kingdom and he's preaching this message telling them that judgment is coming if they don't repent. And the, the people of the northern kingdom just scoffed at his message of impending judgment. What are you talking about? There's no judgment coming. Things have never been so good. Get out of here with this talk about judgment. Now, verse 1 mentions the timing of Amos's ministry. It gives us it was in the days of King Uzziah, a king of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. It was two years before the earthquake, which uh, must have been a significant earthquake that everybody was aware of and experienced. Uh, Zechariah 14.5, if you're taking notes, also mentions this earthquake in the days of Uzziah the king. And then he goes on in verse 2. Look at verse 2. He said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn and the tops of Carmel withers. Now, notice he says, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. Again, Uh, Amos is from the southern kingdom of Judah. He's up in the northern kingdom preaching. And if you remember the story, when the northern kingdom was established under Jeroboam, Jeroboam set up golden calves in the cities of Bethel and in the city of Dan so that the people of the northern kingdom would not go to Jerusalem to worship any longer, that they would not go down to the southern kingdom. But now they would go to Bethel or they would go to Dan to worship. And here... Amos makes it clear that the Lord is in Jerusalem. He's not up here in the northern kingdom. He's not in Bethel. He's not in Dan. The Lord is in Jerusalem, and that is the only place he should be worshipped. Not here in Samaria. Uh, This is similar to the conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. If you remember in that conversation, the Samaritan woman said, Our fathers worship on this mountain, Mount Gerizim in Samaria. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So it's still a debate in the times of Jesus of where should you worship? Gerizim in Samaria or down in Jerusalem in Judah? And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So Jesus answers the question there. Salvation is not of the Samaritans. It's of the Jews. It's in Jerusalem. The lion roars from Zion, not Gerizim. And so now in chapters 1 and 2, the Lord pronounces judgment on the seven nations that surround Israel geographically. Again, Amos is preaching to the northern kingdom of Israel And the Lord pronounces judgment on the seven nations that border Israel. The kingdom of Israel to the north, the kingdom of Judah to the south, and the different nations, the different empires that are surrounding Israel. 
and God will pronounce judgment on them. He's going to pronounce judgment on Damascus, which is Syria, Gaza, Tyre, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and Judah in that order. And the Israelites, they had a long history with each of these nations. A long history of conflict with each of these nations. And, and the people of Israel now, that northern kingdom, they probably enjoyed hearing these surrounding nations will be judged by God. Because they've had this long history of conflict with them. And the people of Israel in that northern kingdom probably thought, well, it's about time. Because those countries certainly deserve God's judgment after the way they've treated us all these years. And so he begins here with this judgment of the nations in verse 3. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they have threshed Gilead with implements of iron. Now, with each of these pronouncements of judgment, they, they each follow the same pattern. God declares the judgment, he names the sin, and then he gives the description of the judgment. And he begins each one with this phrase, for three transgressions and for four. And that phrase was a way of communicating that the nation has gone, that nation has gone too far in its sin. That they've crossed a line. Uh, they've done too much now. You know, the Bible says that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance and salvation. And God is, is patient with us, and God is merciful, and he waits for people to repent. But these nations now, they've just gone too far. They've gone too far. And so he will judge them. And God will judge Damascus. It says, because, here's, here's their sin, because they have threshed Gilead with implements of iron. Now, Gilead was on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Uh, it was a city of Manasseh. Remember, half the tribe of Manasseh settled on the eastern side of the Jordan River. It was, an, it was a city or an area that was part of Manasseh. Israelites lived there, and the king of Syria and the Syrian army would frequently invade and make raids on Gilead. But on one occasion, in particular, the Syrian army came in, invaded the area of Gilead, took captive some of the Israelites living in Gilead, and then laid them on the ground and drove animals dragging threshing sleds over them to execute them. And for this atrocity, God's going to judge them. For this disregard for human life, God will judge them. It's just, that's just too far. God's patient, but that's too far. And God describes the judgment in verse 4. I will send a fire into the house of Haziel, the king of Syria, which shall devour the palace of Ben-Hadad. I will also, notice, break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitant from the valley of Avon and the one who holds the scepter from Beth-Eden. The people of Syria shall go captive to Ker, says 
the Lord. Now, it's interesting to me that God doesn't just completely wipe them out. He doesn't say, I'm just going to send fire down from heaven. I'm just going to burn you to the ground and turn everything into ash. Instead, he says uh, that he's going to break the gate bar of Damascus. You know, you have the city gate. They close the gates at night or when they're under attack. And they have a big bar that they stick in the door to prevent it from being opened from the outside. And so God says, I'm just going to break that gate bar so that any nation can just come into your city and conquer you. Isn't that interesting how God's going to handle this? Not just completely wipe them out, but just put them in a position where they're vulnerable to other nations now. And that's God's judgment against this nation. 30 years later, the Assyrians conquered Damascus. They did exactly this. Uh, And the Assyrians treated their captives brutally. Uh, And so Syria kind of got a taste of their own medicine at the hands of the Assyrians 30 years later. So now verse 6 begins Gaza on the western side of the land of Israel. Verse 6. Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Gaza and for four I will not turn away its punishment because they took captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. Now, the Philistines lived in Gaza. Um, Goliath was from Gath, which was a city of the Philistines in Gaza. And the Philistines were a constant enemy to Israel. The Philistines frequently invaded Israel, those little Uh, towns, those border towns that were near the border of Gaza. They would raid those cities. Their sin that's mentioned here was that they they would go into those towns, they'd go into those villages along the border in Israel that bordered the land of Gaza, and they would capture Israelites, and then they would sell them into slavery to the Edomites for profit. And so they, they were engaged in uh, kidnapping and human trafficking is what we would call it today. Again, God, God will judge them because of their disregard for human life and their exploitation of people who are made in the image of God because they treat humans as a commodity. And I, you know... As we read through this chapter, I think, man, there's nothing new under the sun, just as Solomon said. Right? There's still, as you know, people who just disregard human life today, who treat human beings as a commodity that they can use for profit. Man hasn't changed at all. And here's the punishment now in verse 7. But I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza, which shall devour its palaces I will cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod and the one who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. These are all cities in Gaza, Philistine cities. I will turn my hand against Ekron. Look what it says at the end of verse 8. And the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord God. Now, if you have an NIV, it says until the last of the Philistines are dead. No one here has ever met a Philistine, have you? Because they're gone. God judged them. So they don't exist anymore. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the 
the prophet Amos brought a word of judgment to the people. This word began with condemning Damascus, Gaza, and others among the neighbors of Israel. When the people heard these words, they may even have cheered along with the righteous judgment of God on people they knew to be pagan, people who did not believe in the one true God. But imagine how the crowds grew silent when Amos got to the part about Judah, where he said, For three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they have rejected the law of the Lord. And then even more when he says the same about Israel, adding, They sell the righteous for silver, and the needy for a pair of sandals. It's easy to celebrate justice when it comes down on our enemies, but it takes humility to see our own sin in the same light. God is a God of justice, but He never leaves anyone without an escape. He calls His people to return to Him. You'll want to keep coming back to hear the hope God offers to the people because He makes the same offer to you. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Ring of Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, located in Columbia, Maryland. If you're in the area, join us for Sunday morning services. Find out more at calvaryec.org. And if you can't join us, you can always find our podcast on iTunes for more great biblical messages. We love being with you today. See you next time for another message here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.